everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and I'm here with Mark Freeman. What's up, dude? It's good. Hey, thanks for being with us. Yes, sir. Good friend of mine and fellow pastor at the Grove, and so glad that you're here. And we are in the middle of a series. We're talking about Christian denominations, uh, kind of what the differences are, why does it matter, why do we need to understand it, and kind of spent that first episode mildly rambling, but really mostly just kind of talking about our own personal background with denominations and who we are as the Grove and why it's important to talk about this and honestly, why we're a little afraid to kind of ask the questions. And so one of the big questions, and I don't know if you've ever gotten this before. And so again, we'll just kind of get, get kind of get your answer, just kind of just kind of what the what your uh, what your kind of gut level answer is before we get into just Nerd Town USA. One of the one of the big questions that I get is why do we have so many denominations? How how did that happen? So somebody have you ever had somebody ask you that sort of question before? Mm-hmm. So so I'm asking you right now, Mark, how do we get in this situation? We've got all these denominations, all these people, all these different churches. Why is that? Like, what's your like elevator answer to that question? Because the world's full of people. Well, there you go. <laughs> and they, they can't get along on anything. Yeah. Yeah. And just like there, there are reasons why people have gathered into different groups and have drawn lines. Some of those lines are, you know, we talked about a little bit in the last episode, but some of those are important, you know, big theological differences in lines. Some mm-hmm. of it's more practice. But whatever it is, they've driven, you know, they've drawn those lines and have gathered together and, right. you, know, you know, it's always going to be, I think it's going to be interesting in heaven, you know, when everybody's there together, what that's going <laughs> to. It's one, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite jokes of just, I'm not going to put any particular denomination to it, but you know, Peter's walking somebody around heaven's like, oh, there's the, there's, there's the Methodists and then there's the Presbyterians. And then there's kind of this really quiet kind of walled off secluded group. And it's like, who's that over there? And it's like, you know, we'll mention a particular denomination and say, well, and you got to be real quiet. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> right. I just, it's, it's, one of my, it's one of my top three denominational jokes. I, I'll tell you my other two a different time. I don't think it's necessary, necessary for the podcast, but anyways. Yeah. And so the, so people like, like, like people want there to have been a time when this didn't exist. Like, like we, and, and we go back and we try to imagine some sort of idyllic time when all Christians were together and believed the same things, were completely unified, were completely happily worshiping together with zero divisions. And then there are some groups that will even, the Catholics kind of being the main ones, will kind of point to a history where they'll say, they'll act like that that was true. But the reality of it is, it was never true. And if you'll read the book of Acts, it was already starting. I mean, they, they, I mean there, was some, there was some beef between Peter and Paul. They worked it out. There was some beef between Paul and Barnabas about whether or not this guy could go with them on a missionary trip. They, they, they split up over that. I mean, again, they didn't start a denomination. They didn't, I mean, in any real sense. I mean, they were clearly what we, call, we refer to as the Judaizers groups of people that were coming out there with a very different perspective on what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so these, there have been relational divisions. 
political divisions and theological divisions in some way from the very beginning. People. But oh, people. No, that's people. So I like I like your answer. <laughs> I wonder sometimes, and this this is what I'm this is what I'm like. Sometimes I wonder when people ask that question, like if like that that's that's the better answer, bro. Are they really interested in five good minutes on the Great Schism and the Protestant Reformation? <laughs> And the difference between Coptic Christians and Orthodox Christians and Catholics and Protestants. Do people really want that, Mark? You just really like saying schism. Well, bro, <laughs> if you don't know about the great schism, then what are we even talking about here? This is what we're talking about. Anyways, did you take any church history? Uh, a little bit. Like, in, like at Washtenaw? Yeah. Yeah. Was it a required class for... Were you a Bible major? I wasn't. You weren't? Were you a... Sports management major. What were you? Sports management. <laughs> oh, you were, you're, you're man. I was going to be coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a football player. I was like, I didn't know. I didn't, like, I know, I know that. But you did have to take a few Bible classes. That was just part of it. And church history was was part was, of that. Was part of it. Yeah. Did you find Did you find yourself interested or fascinated by it? As you know, of? honestly, uh, not at that time because those were all my freshman year, right? <laughs> and I didn't really start growing until my junior year, and just really caring about who Jesus was and what it, you know, what it meant to follow him. So I was very uninterested as a freshman. Right. I, I a, wish I could take it again. <laughs> I took a two semester class on church history and it met a certain requirement for me at Hendrix. And I, th- I enjoyed it. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I didn't have a huge chip on my shoulder. And like I talked about my own denominational background, I had a huge chip on my shoulder against other denominations. And I had this perception in my brain and it was right that, Hendricks was a more liberal school and was trying to discourage people who believed in Jesus the way I did, trying to change me. And so I kind of went into a lot of my classes ready to fight. And then all of a sudden, just like neutral facts about the history of the church. Like I was, I was, I was always looking for an opportunity to fight when really in hindsight, even though this guy that taught the class and I didn't agree a whole lot on theology was an incredible teacher on church history. And I still remember a lot of the things that he said. And then I had the opportunity too to take those classes again in seminary. And so I think it's, I think it is, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was particularly helpful. And around this question, kind of there are, if we're going to make a timeline here of how did, how did we get to this place where we went from what at least we perceive that for a thousand years there was just one church and now we've got hundreds, if not thousands of denominations. There's kind of two key moments. And I say that, like, and I just want to keep going. <laughs> um, you know, there was, wasn't a, even though a Catholic, Catholics would disagree. And I've got some friends that are Catholics. And so I've got some people at the Grove that would still call themselves Catholics, right? I mean, so it's not, it's not negative. The Catholics would disagree with what I'm about to say, but the Catholic church, such as what, how we understand it with a, with a pope that is clearly in charge with a structure that oversees all these bishops and the, and the pope is in Rome and he's the bishop of Rome, that structure did not really exist until the early 300s. Now, they can trace back who they believe the bishop of Rome was before that, but the Catholic Church organizationally and structurally didn't really exist until, three, until the 300s. That's, that's what the guy named Constantine you know who Constantine is? Mm-hmm. Sure, 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 sure. He was a he was a one of the emperors of Rome, and he 
is the guy that changed Christianity in the Roman Empire from something that was persecuted that we saw a lot in Acts and then beyond that, the movie Gladiator, lions, rocks, turn them into torches, all those kinds of things. And he became a Christian and then went from that and declared it to be the official religion of the empire. And so then the Roman Empire became a Christian nation, such as it was. And that's when kind of the political power of the church then was most definitely in Rome. Because that's where, that's where Constantine was, all the centers of power there. And the Bishop of Rome then had greater, can I use the word ecclesiastical? Kind of church power. He had the, the, the hub of church power was there too. And so at that point, the Catholic church was really, this is what non-Catholics would say, that that was really kind of when the Catholic church was formed. But before then, there weren't like a whole lot of denominations. There was just loosely affiliated churches. But then there were some churches like the churches in Egypt, the the Coptics is what they were called, and the church in Ethiopia that never really, even before 300, were really kind of affiliated with that. And again, I don't think anyone would have called that another denomination. They just kind of had their own structure. They 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 weren't necessarily divided. They weren't necessarily divided by anything but geography. It was hard to be united if you're an Ethiopian church and with the church in Galatia because they're just, just distance and a lack of communication. And so those three churches, kind of the Roman Empire, which is, you know, Rome and all these places that Paul went, Egypt, Ethiopia, were kind of all kind of building on their own structures. And then over the next 700-ish years, those three structures kind of build. But then again, what we would call the Catholic Church was far and away the largest one and was growing in its influence all the way out to the east. Now we're talking about we're talking about Greece, we're talking about what is now Ukraine, what is now Russia, we're talking about all these places. And the larger it got, the more political it became. And I don't think that is a that is not that is not a shot at Catholicism. Cuz I don't know what like what what's your answer? People People, the more people we get involved and the more diverse those people are, the more problems that they're going to be. And so this Eastern church, which is which has come to be known over the last thousand years or so as the Orthodox church, kind of was establishing its own kind of rules and principles. And there was there's really just kind of this really big, what we see today, even now in every possible way, an East-West battle. There's a Western way of doing things, a Western way of thinking, and an Eastern way of thinking. And that was not something we invented. It's not something that Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev invented. It's not something that um, Stalin and Roosevelt invented. It was not, it was, I mean, it, it, this has been something that has been an issue forever. And so it really kind of came to a head in the year, you know, two, 1054, which is when we had the great schism. Schism. <laughs> when, when the church really kind of divided East and West. They really kind of divide East and West. And they kind of, the, the Eastern church became known as the Orthodox church. The Western church became the, the Catholic church. And they really kind of became two main structures. So I got the, the Egyptians and the Ethiopians down here. Now we've kind of got these two major power structures. And 90% of it was political and regional. Now I could get into right now some of the theological differences. And I'll just start. And then you'll, you'll go to sleep. I'll wake you up. Like one of them was, is the Holy Spirit sent by the Father or sent by the Father and the Son? Do you have an opinion on that, Mark? It's, it sounds very important to me. 
Again, yeah, we, we need to, we we need should to walk away from we this should divide a whole, conversation. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like we want to look back a thousand years in the future and say, was that really a big enough deal? But then we start asking the question, okay, what, what keeps us from being united with that church? Is it any more significant? Right. I mean, and them at that time, it, I mean, it, it meant something. But again, a lot of it was regional political balances. So where, 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 does, where, where, does, where does the power rise? So Constantinople, which is in the east versus Rome, was a, was a lot of it. Fast forward about 500 years, then we get to the Protestant Reformation. And you know who our main character is there? Martin Luther, kind of the main guy. And he, he was interested. And the interesting thing about it it was a Protestant Reformation, which implies, and is true, that really the desire was to reform something that existed. It was never in his heart, at least initially, to start something. It was, it was a Reformation. And he had a belief that the church had become a little too works-oriented. It was pri- pri- primarily works-oriented, not scripture-oriented enough, too, too works-oriented. It's really interesting. I mean, we could, we could nerd into this for a little bit. I could, no one else could, about how the printing press kind of plays into that. The ability for people to have, read it themselves, read it themselves in their own language rather than having to go to somebody and hearing it in a, in a language that you don't even speak and just having to take the, the priest's word for it, those kinds of things. I mean, there's kind of a lot of political educational undertones of that. And then plus this idea of, that, that the gospel, that coming to Christ is something that happens by, gra- it's one of his things, by grace alone, by faith alone, the authority of scripture alone. And in Martin Luther's belief, the church had become kind of a blending between the scripture's authority and the leadership structure, less grace, less faith, more works and practice, more penance. And so he tried to reform from within and eventually just was declared a heretic and was kicked out. And so then you got with him, you got this guy, you got him, you got this guy named Zwingli, which I just, I just love to say that name, Zwingli. You know about Zwingli? You probably did. You probably heard a lot about Zwingli when you no, were a please, freshman. please teach me about Zwingli. Well, it's, it's just the, they were kind of the main two guys that were the, the main reformers. You could find a list of more, but those kind of the two main ones. And there was a desire for the two of them to be united and kind of whatever this new thing that they were going to build, they were going to build it together and kind of have there would be the Catholics and whatever this new thing was going to be. And they had this debate and discussion about their different perspectives or whatever. And here's the deal. There's this, there's this famous moment in which they're talking about communion because the Catholic belief was that the communion becomes the physical body of Christ, transubstantiation. He believed in consubstantiation, Martin Luther did, which was that it spiritually becomes a body. It's not actually flesh, but it, but it, is, it is his body, even if it's not genetically his body. It is. And then Zwingli was more of what we'll just kind of call representative. It, it represents his body. And Martin Luther was so adamant. It says, Jesus said, this is my body. You know what is means? Is means is. Refused to shake his hand. 
and it was a that was a moment in which we kind of went from if you count the orthodox we went from 2 to 3 to ultimately infinity it was just kind of became this moment where whether or not what really happens substantively or spiritually to the elements of communion was kind of the thing that kept the one of the main things that kept the Reformation from holding together. And then you add this third group, the Anabaptists, A-N-A, Baptist. Anna being a prefix meaning again. So they were baptized againers. So your, your, baby, your baby baptism doesn't count. You have to be a believer to be baptized. And um, everybody hated them. The Catholics hated them. The Lutherans hated them. The people that followed Zwingli when Calvin came along. I mean, they, 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 everybody hated them. And so then it just, it just, it just, it just became, it became a free for all at this point. We we're willing to divide over communion. We're willing to divide over baptism. We now all have the, the scriptures in our own language. We've got regional country political divisions going on. And now suddenly it's a free for all. And you've just, and and you just see that you see the you see the beginnings there with Lutheran with Lutheranism you see um, you know the with, with Calvin Zwingli you see this kind of reformed what ultimately become Presbyterian you've got the Anabaptists which are, are going to be precursors in a lot of ways to some degree Southern Baptists and modern Baptists don't want to connect themselves to Anabaptists sometimes they do it's kind of a weird political thing that's not worth necessary in this podcast it's not a church history podcast. But you, you, you'll, see, you'll see at least the inklings of what would become the evangelical church around the necessity of, of the, the idea that baptism is something that happens post-salvation. Uh, the Go people ahead. who followed, followed uh, Zwingli, what, what, did they, what, what were they called? The... <laughs> they, they were ultimately reformed people along the side of, of John Calvin. Okay, so that's okay. kind of your... Kind of your because I think reform. that would be a really cool name. You, you wish you were a Zwinglian? Yes, Zwingliest, Zwingist. Ooh, not a swinger, <laughs> not that. I mean, that's not what you are. That's not what you are. You're a Zwinglier, anyways. <laughs> and so you kind of got you know again just kind of the inevitable thing with what happened with the East and West of just kind of power struggle. I think what you've got what started out as a pretty good idea of a of an of a, a necessary kind of theological and practical reform about where authority is found what is the gospel that turned into him getting excommunicated and then i said then then kind of a free for all bars up and again there's there's logistical reasons like printing press diff, small difference of opinion but then again a lot of it comes down to people it's just people it's just people and so from a, from, a, from a historical perspective, that's kind of how we got where we were. So I don't know, do you, I mean, I, I could nerd out about this for as many more minutes as we had. Does any of that just kind of bring out any questions to you that kind of something that, that didn't make sense or? I don't think so. So the only, other, the only other one that I would kind of put in there that is interesting is where the Anglican church came from which is kind of the predecessor to our, um, to the Episcopal church. The Episcopal church in America is typically, it's just what the, the church of England, the church of England, the Anglicans, when they came to America, became the Episcopals. It's the same, it's the same thing. Basically, um, one of the Kings wanted to get a divorce 
but you couldn't do that as a Catholic. And because we were on marriage number three or whatever, and the first two had been annulled, the Pope wasn't going to do it anymore. And so the king wanted to stay a Christian and he wanted to get married. And so the Church of England broke off from the Catholic Church almost exclusively so that he could could divorce and remarry. Now, again, if we were sitting here with an Anglican, a pure just would would feel that that is an unfair, I'm sure probably feel that that is an unfair characterization, but it's pretty fair. It's pretty fair. And so then, and then, then from that, you've got, you've got some, some offshoots that come from, from, from Anglicanism from England, including your, including your Methodists that were kind of a, really a, a more evangelistic arm. And th- they were so initially John Wesley and, his, his bunch were just so strong and committed. They were kind of known. You could tell a Methodist by the, that the knees and their pants were worn out because they're always praying all the time and always sharing the gospel. And so they kind of, they were kind of like, like functional reasons that these, these groups would come out too. But again, I think, again, I would, I would, I would, I would trace it back. Not that it wouldn't because people are people, it wouldn't have happened eventually. But I think, I think the point in which the first group of reformers couldn't agree to disagree. Kind of just set the table. I don't, I don't know how long, maybe they could have kept it together a generation or two, but that's kind of how we ended up where we are. And so then you've got all your, kind of all your major denominations that we have today kind of fall from one of those lines from at some point in the Protestant Reformation with some of those main groups or what happened there with the church of England and the sprout and the, and the, and the, the different branches that come off of that. And so, and now here we are in the year 2023 walking around Northwest Arkansas, dozens of different denominations with all sorts of different varying beliefs and all sorts of different perspectives. And now we got to figure out how to, how to navigate those. And so we're going to spend some time, a little less luxury, a little less Charlie, just, nerding out for a few minutes, just kind of maybe just some practical talk about what we feel like the differences are between the different denominations. And so Mark, thanks. I say, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being willing to sit there during all of that. No, I I appreciate that. It's like, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a, I think, again, for some people, I think that would be really helpful information to know. For some people it'd be kind of like that, maybe a bit of a nerd fest, but it's kind of kind of the history of kind of what got us to where we are. And so now we've got all these current denominations and we'll spend some time talking about those in the next episode. And I hope that you join us for those. And we would love to connect with you outside of this podcast. If you are part of the Grove, we encourage, continue to love to see you on Sundays. If you're not and you're local, we'd love for you to be. And you can check us out at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. Even if you're not local, you go to there and you can find some information there about who we are, about our live streams, about our about our services on Sunday mornings, about all the stuff that we've got going on. There's a form that you can fill out that can let you know, kind of let us know that you're listening and who you are. Any prayer requests, any advice, any questions, anything that you need, you can let us know there. And again, uh, thank you for joining us with the Cultivate Podcast. Thanks again, Mark. And we'll see you, you. next time.